Hello there. Hey. Welcome to MoCast. The, the first recording of ProCaladin. Yes, yeah, this is definitely the first recording. No, Nobody can tell you any different. But yes, it is one hell of a podcast to have because we've been waiting to do a pro we never did a prod paladin podcast before and we gathered up some of the brightest most beautiful minds and oh, souls yeah. from the prod paladin community uh representing you know theory crafting rating mythic plus and all of that uh you want to say so i'm sorry i think uh, i think <laughs> the guests uh, speak for themselves and if you don't know who they are if you haven't been in the hammer of red discord uh, then uh let's let, let's let the guys introduce themselves Yep. And uh, we can uh, we can kick it off from there. So I guess starting with uh, Eltharian, uh, we yeah. can uh, we can go that way. Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Eltharian. I'm a Templar on the Hammer of Wrath Discord, and I play mainly Mythic Plus as a Protection Paladin. When it comes to raiding, I'm playing Holy Paladin. So yeah, you might actually see me play both specs, but the majority of my streams are going to be Protection and Plus type of streams. All right, high keys, high gameplay over there. Definitely, you're gonna check. Oh it yeah, out. just. Uh... Yeah, and uh, ne next on next on the list is uh, Mr. Lincoln. Tell the people about <laughs> yourself, man. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Lincoln. I'm a moderator on the Hammer Rat Discord, and I write the Prop Paladin Guide for Wowhead. I also work on their meaningless tier lists. So anything you see in a tier list with <laughs> Prop Paladin ranked, I worked on it, and it's totally meaningless. Um, yeah, I also, in terms of, like, I guess the content I do, just to touch up on that, I do high keys. I don't do as high as Altharian. I'm mostly doing, like, 22s and 23s. Um, and then I raid on Mythic um, a couple nights a week. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. And last but not least, Mr. Tank Notes himself. Pat, yeah. I'm Mr. Tank Notes. <laughs> He's riding with it. Uh, I'm Panthea. I, I write the Icy Veins Prop Paladin Guide. Um, I write Tank Notes, and I mainly raid on pretty much every tank yes, whatever is flavor of the month oh so you're that you're that type of player on huh? flavor of the month but tanknotes.com we'll 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 have all of the links for the boys in the description you know oh, yeah. the, as uh, always Eltarian's twitch you know Linko's twitch and twitters and all of that uh but i guess after we met our guests we can just kick it off with Prop Paladin and just talk about... Uh, oh, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about Prop Paladin uh, since it's... What is it? It, it, has, it, has, it, has a, it had a weird journey in uh, Shetlands <laughs> in the sense that uh, I don't know if a lot of it changed from 9.0 to 9.1, but it keeps popping up in the, in the number one uh, tanks in terms of uh, certain rankings, but uh, that aside... Uh, let's just make it a little bit easy and have you guys talk a little bit about how you feel Prot performs in 9.1 in relation to the content. 9.1.5, you mean? 9.1.5, I suppose, yes. And uh, like in raids and dungeons, how do you feel like it matches to the to the content itself, to the meta? And then we can uh, continue the conversation from there. So, you know, with regards to Prop Alden in the raid specifically, it's it's got a, quite a strong position in the raid. Um, none of the bosses are overly punishing to what would make a protection paladin weak. So you get to look at how can I use spell ward, how can I use bop, how can I cheese stuff. And then you have the added benefits of being able to do a boatload of damage. Oh, like yeah. a Suez Canal blocking boatload. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's one way of putting it for sure. That's... At least that from from the rating perspective, I'm curious on uh, the, the current standings in the Mythic Plus perspective. So Paladin had a, I would say, a rough start in the beginning of 
Shadowlands going into 9.0. Um, it didn't have the best reputation in terms of how um, good it was in terms of sustain. The only thing it was good for was damage. Um, so people started calling it the glass cannon tank of Shadowlands, pretty much. But I think it was just that the margin for error on Prot was very, very small and uh, it was super punishing to play. Um, if you would, it's kind of like Bloody Case, right? Where you just miss type, well, you miss time one global cooldown and, and you're just dead. That, that's pretty much what season one was. It's still the same in season two, but not up to that extent. It's still punishing, but the higher amounts of gear, the nerfs that they made to the dungeons in terms of the melee damage, anima powers, and all that kind of stuff, um, makes it a lot more enjoyable to play, especially in high content. All tanks are pretty even in terms of Mythic Plus right now. And I don't think that Paladin is like super outstanding in any sorts of environment. It's not super outstanding in terms of damage because there's monks and warriors doing really good DPS as well. And there's probably other tanks who have some better sort of survival survivability tools that they can use. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the current tank meta. I think tanks are as balanced as they have never been before in terms of Mythic Plus. Oh, agreed. It's weird how they managed to do this also with, with DPS in, in some capacity. Yeah, it's. I mean, you if, if you guys have been, you know, had your toes and fingers dipped into the meta for a lot longer than, let's say, the last couple of expansions, uh, I personally haven't seen the game this balanced in PvE in, like, almost ever. Um, And I mean, we have had historically really bad track records when it came to class balances where some specs are just not played at all. So actually, actually, like for all the faults that, you know, Shadowlands has, the balance of the class, at least it's it's, it's respectable enough where, you know, you can literally play almost anything. What would you say Lincoln would be the biggest issue of Prod Paladins currently? Even if you have to go nitpick, I'm sure there's there's a lot to discuss. Sure. Like yeah, so from, I think the biggest issue is how strong Consecration is. Um, so the way Consecration works is that it's tied to Mastery, and what, what it does is Mastery increases your block, and at the same time, you get passive damage reduction while standing in Consecration. And while, from a fantasy perspective, that sounds awesome, right? Like, you just drop this yellow holy circle and you stand in it, and you're more powerful... But that also does some negative things, like it ties you to one location, it reduces your mobility. If you have to kite or move, you're not going to be in Consecration, so you'll have less damage reduction, you'll be a little bit more vulnerable to die. Um, it gets In the raid, it's probably not as bad, because a lot of fights have very low movement. Like The, yeah. the high movement situations are like maybe Sylvanas in the last phase when you're picking up all the pools, or maybe like Dormazane when you're moving the boss to adds to DPS them down. Otherwise, the movement you can play around the movement or play around the damage reduction. Mm. Mythic Plus is where it becomes really toxic because there's two anima powers, Champions brand. They add 200 mastery rating each. So you're getting like basically another tier worth of gear of mastery just from two anima powers. And your damage reduction and consecration is going up by, you know, 50%, right? Mm. So like you're going from like, you know, 14 to 20 percent damage reduction and consecration which makes it even more important more critical to push that button keep it down um and that's and it's, it's such a like a negative like adds negative pressure as well and i'm a little bit ranting here but no no, no that's... it has a lot <laughs> it adds a little bit negative pressure as well because if you have to maintain consecration and you have to build holy power and you have to heal yourself with ward of glory which is also on the gcd 
then you kind of like have a lot of conflicts in terms of your decision making, which kind of, you know, makes the class as content gets harder and it hits harder, like you take more incoming damage, that pressure increases and that makes the class a lot more difficult to play um, and makes your margin for error and your instantaneous decision making. Like you got you got to be really smart in what you do. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we can we can unpack this uh, this particular aspect of prop paladin at least that's present right now in multiple ways. But uh, from from where I'm standing, it kind of sounds like uh, obviously there are downsides with playing consecration. It kind of sounds like you would prefer the 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 survivability of prop paladin to be moved a little bit away from consecration into other areas because shield of uh, well because uh, sure it's it's annoying, but I mean it's not like uh, you can just ignore it, right? I mean, your lack you wouldn't you wouldn't be getting that tankiness any other way, right? So unless unless I'm missing something, so would you prefer like in an ideal design sp- uh, space for propellants for that to be moved a little bit away? Maybe to shield the righteousness, maybe like just passive more armor or more HP or or things like that. Um, and I guess we can have all all three of you touch on the subject. What would you think? Would be maybe an improvement to this, and maybe we can, you know, elaborate on Shield Righteous later as well. Because for me, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of a yeah, we would we def- topic. Definitely need to talk about it. Yeah, I, like I don't even think they need to change consecration. Like, what if they just took like Word of Glory off like the GCD, right? Like, if they reduce my pressure on my consecration and my demands, like the amount of other alternatives that I could do, then it's probably just going to be a little bit easier to maintain. Um, you know, that's one potential solution. I think one of the problems with, say, like buffing Shield of the Right, like moving that damage reduction off of Consecration into Shield of the Righteous, is that Shield of the Righteous is locked behind Holy Power. So, like, I need Holy Power to put it up. That kind of makes it a little bit, that like gates mitigation in a different way, right? Yeah. So, I feel like that could also be, like, if Shield of the Righteous was really, really strong, that could also be really problematic. Because then I would need to gain, then that puts the pressure on the holy power generation side. Um, so like, it would have to be like take Wog off the like the global cooldown, or just put it passively on the class. Like in terms of like Aegis of Light, which is a new passive they introduced um, in March of this year. Like just gives ten ten percent passive damage reduction. They can easily just bump that up to say fifteen, and then just lower consecration a little bit. Um, so that's what I would. Those are the two things that I would look at. I think I agree with what uh, Link said. Uh, the the issue is that you have too many things that you want to do at the same time, and occasionally, of, of course. Um, let's just assume we've been talking about this before. Um, the storming ethics, for example, makes it really hard um, because it forces you to reposition yourself pretty frequently, which might force you to reposition your consecration as well. But at the same time, you kind of have to spend your GCDs on generating holy power, which you then want to... Uh, dump to get the Shield of the Righteous up, up to the point where you might be able to use the Word of Glory instead, um, and just being able, just being forced to like re-put your consecration down um, in movement-heavy situations um, makes it makes you fall behind on GCDs. So you don't really have, um, yeah, don't you need to put consecration down, but you don't have the time to do it. Yeah, and then you're at the point. Okay, what do I do? When, right? when, you, can only, yeah. you can only force as many defenses because the defensive toolkit. Uh, when we speak about defensive cooldowns, is rather small. You have, you maybe have an active trinket, and you have ardent, and you have guardian of the ancient kings. That's yeah, pretty much all you have. I was watching your stream, I think last week, and I think it was storming last week. Yeah. You were doing like a sanguine depths first boss, 
and every third global was consecration because you had to just kite the boss out. So that's how, <laughs> that's literally what it is. It's literally every third button press is consecration because he needs it. It's also the first boss in Spires. I think that's one of yeah. the better examples because you have you have uh, overhead slashes overlapping with the movement of the bird. But to right. have your DPS specs, like your DPS players, do the most damage, you want to keep them both stacked because they share the HP pool. So Cleave is obviously more efficient. So what you kind of need to do is you, you run away from Kintaro to follow the bird, and then you have to put your finger on the consecration button to put it on the floor for the overhead slash just to run out of it again. So you put your consecration down while moving, just to have the the damage reduction up for the impact of the damage. But then you instantly drop it again. And that's kind of a playstyle. I feel like that's, and it's it's not fun at times. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kintaro is actually also an interesting boss, and we can kind of a little bit get into that because there's also the beam on that boss as well. So you actually have to watch. Like you have to be situationally aware of how the boss is positioned relative to the bird. So like. You're not just managing consecration, keeping that down. You also have to know the mechanics of the boss. And I've also found that consecration is a, can be a, like kind of weird in some bosses, like on Mistcaller. Like it's very hard to CC the fox in the groups that I'm in because it's the fox. It's always running into the consecration and breaking. Oh, yeah. I can't CC it. <laughs> so like that's something that I've run into. But like the that like if that boss actually hit hard or had like a tough like tough tank mechanic. Then that could be a big problem, right? Because like yeah. some situations, I'm just not dropping consecration when the fox is up. Um, so like it's it's just it's just generally like a very weird problematic button um, that I hope Blizzard it's, does you know revisit in the next expansion. It feels it feels a little bit uh, it feels like it's a little bit clunky because when you guys talk about this, I cannot help but think of Protection Warrior since um, it's I mean you can call it uh, holy power you can call it rage obviously it's not the same thing but it's still resource building into spending it on active mitigation because you mentioned that if the power is skewed too much towards shield of the righteous then you have a different issue where the pressure is much more on generating the holy power aka you know the, the builder spender type rotation and obviously pro warrior functions the same thing but in addition what kind of works with prot warrior is that you generate rage from your auto attacks passively and especially if you use devastate right now uh devastator the talent you you eliminate the amount of globals you press for either fillers or it's not necessarily builders but you're resetting your shield slam which builds uh rage so essentially you're taking that out of the way so you're limiting the globals that you would normally put into like this big bucket of i'm generating my rage and that seems to work for Prot Warrior. Do you think that this can be something that can help Prot Paladin as well? A way to generate resource that doesn't consume globals, which is maybe a little bit harder to implement since it's not like you have a big pool of resource. You have like five like combo points. So I don't know if like passively generating Holy Power would ever be a thing. I can see there might be issues with that as well. But since you mentioned that the, the GCD would be an issue, Outside of, you know, Word of Glory being off the GCD, do you think that this can never be a thing similar to the Warrior where, you know, you can have sources to generate Holy Power outside of spending globals on? Yes. So back in BFA, there was a talent called Bastion of Light. And it was an off-global cooldown ability that instantly gave you three charges of Shield Righteous when Shield Righteous was a charges-based ability. I remember that. What if they brought back Bastion and it just gave you five Holy Power instantly and it was like a one-minute cooldown. So you could just generate instantly five Holy Power every one minute off the GCD. Off the GCD. Like I think that would be, yeah, I think that would be like really good, um, like as a potential, like that would also add new gameplay. Like you do that for like burst damage or burst threat, like a lot of different situations that, that that ability could be used in. Um, so that would be like a really cool idea that I would like. And you think um, that that would that would have to be a talent? 
Uh, no, it, it, well, it was a talent before, but I think it would have to be baseline. I think it would have to be part of the core core kit. Yeah. Um, so there'd be, there'd be a lot of ways that you could use it. You could use it to instantly funnel yeah. into marathon burst or yeah, like, there, like yeah, it would be a really like flexible button. Yeah, it would be a really flexible button. And I and I originally thought when they were going to bring back holy power that they were going to do something like that because mitigation ramp up, especially like on a hard raid boss, is actually really was a, is another kind of a problem. Um, like if you if I think back to the first time I tanked Sludge Fist, like back like in beta when he hit really hard, like at least double what he hit when he went live. Like if I didn't cool down on the pull, I was probably dead because you like I need three GCDs just to get the holy power for my first shield. Then I got to drop consecration. So like I'm looking at least four GCDs before I'm quote unquote have my mitigation active. Um, but like that would kind of address that problem as well. Like I could just use that ability on the pull and just get SOTR right away. Um, so yeah, like I feel like something like that would be really cool, like as a gameplay solution to this problem. So. Well, they at least addressed, again, uh, coming back to the Pro Warrior comparison, they at least addressed that with Reprisal, and that seemed incredibly strong. And, uh, and we're not going to go too much in detail with Pro Warrior, but having yeah. a higher uptime on Shield Block really bumped the power of the spec, and that is the the mitigation. And um, <clears throat> I don't know if they can do something like that for Pro Paladin, but it's not like they haven't done it already, so it wouldn't be like out of the mm. question. Um, but They kind of did with uh, at least Valkyrian Paladins. So... Reprisal kind of bumps up your shield block uptime for warriors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, by intervening, which is off GCD. Uh, for Kirin, they brought combat. the Divine Resonance Legendary, um, which gives you a total of three holy power over the course of 15 seconds uh, after you press Divine Toll. So it, it literally improves your resource economy in the beginning of each pull. It's not that it's like super necessary because Divine Toll already gives you five to eight holy power. But they kind of took a similar approach, at least for Kyrians. Venthyr doesn't have that. And I think uh, there should be... I agree with Link that there should be something that is like cross-covenant, available uh, available cross-covenants for all Paladins. Yeah, so, so basically not, not covenant locked. Something that maybe, you know, we yeah. can take into the next expansion. Also, something that I really wanted to, uh, to, to open a discussion with you guys. This is coming mostly from a very average player. And potentially uh, the community perception as well, because uh, you guys mentioned that, you know, it started a little bit rough in 9.0 and now it's in a better spot. Um, <clears throat> maybe debunk a couple of, let's say, misconception. First of all, uh, there's the misconception that Paladin, Pro Paladin scales uh, poorly with, uh, or that the Shielded Righteous scales poorly with, with gear, or at least in, if you put all tanks back to back and give them more gear, Propelden will have, uh, let's say, less gains than the other tanks per eye level. That was something that I was kind of hearing from in, in 9.0 from community, from players, from everything like that. I don't know if that's that's true or not, because obviously Propelden is doing a little bit better right now. And sure, the the content itself has been nerfed, especially Mythic Plus, which is the only consistent content that we've had since uh, in 9.0 and in 9.1. But it still seems to be doing well in relation to the other tanks as well, and hasn't particularly received any big buffs. So is that concept like just a misconception or did something change and we were not aware of? The scaling? Yes. Yes. So yes, it is a misconception. Um, So a couple points I'd like to make there. So one thing that's really different, say, from Prop Paladin than other tanks. So for example, like you bring up like Prop Warrior, we can use them as like, I guess, as a counter example. Mm -hmm. They, a lot of the way they gear is like haste verse. Um, 
Like Verse is considered their second best stat because it's a, just a general damage reduction stat. Mastery and crit are not as good as for them. But in the Paladin case, Mastery is actually really good. Like we actually have a third, really good, a really good third secondary compared to tanks who only have really two really good secondaries. Um, like in the case, I think Brewmaster and I'll like to put a Pantheon like Brewmaster. Like it's really like crit verse for them or something like that. Like they don't really gear haste and they don't really gear mastery. Um, so like that's kind of one misconception is that there's a third stat that Paladin scales with that's available on gear that does really well. The other thing is, is that if you look at things like K value, like in spreadsheets and like how what that translates into actual damage reduction, Prop Paladin has has a higher damage reduction ceiling now than they did at the end of Castle Nathria. So like if you compare like like a 254 character like geared out of the raid for something that's geared for something from like the end of Castle Nathria, like 228, you're just gonna have way more passive damage reduction just from the extra verse mastery. And just the way they scale the K value, like K is how they calculate your armor damage reduction, your block. Like just the way they calculate those things this tier, it's just way it's a little bit higher. So like those are like two really like points that I think that kind of just like kind of just blow that concept out of the water that you know that Paladin doesn't scale as well as other tanks. I think they actually scale better because they do have that third stat on gear that scales them really well. All right, I'd say on top of that. Um, because there's three independent secondary stats, you're not impacted as much by the diminishing returns on secondary stats as well. So you have a bit more gear flexibility and chant flexibility to circumvent that somewhat. So yeah, you get so, a bit more from your gear. Yeah, so like just as an example, like I'm at 30% haste, 30% mastery, but I'm gemming verse because verse now is so is a little, a little bit more, like personally speaking, I'm gemming verse because it's a little bit more valuable to me than those other two stats that are at 30-30. Another tank, what are they going to go into? They're going to go into like haste or verse, or they're going to pick a, They're going to pick one of the two stats that are already on DR. So that's you know that's that's definitely a really good point of Pantheon that hey we have a lot more flexibility as well in terms of the types of pieces we can use and swap out and all of that. And that's uh, that would well uh, where when does diminishing return hit? At, is it like at 30 or 35 percent? Like, uh, it's 30 for everything but crit, which is 35. 30, okay. It's 35 for crit because you have 5% base crit. Okay. All right. Okay, okay. And um, so just... 30% of rating. Yeah, 30% rating. Because obviously, uh, in terms of percentage, mastery scales differently for each spec, so... And just to, just to close, potentially, the topic, unless you guys have uh, anything else to say about this, um... Shield of the Righteous was a weird spell for for me personally at at an at playing tanks at an average level at least in 9.0 and obviously I've started to uh, to pick it up again in 9.1 where after a certain like after a certain level it felt less and less impactful to press Shield of the Righteous it felt like even if I had like uptime on Shield of the Righteous with the same packs let's say on a higher key I would I would consistently take even more and more and more damage and i felt the need to press word of glory this was last patch i i don't know how this translates yet because i haven't yet geared my prop paladin to do the same amount of uh, the same level of content that i did last patch but is shield of the righteous is is, is it a problem in the core of the, in the, in the design of the prop paladin right now is it not as potent as it should be does it become less important let's say in hierarchies um, well theron can probably and lincoln can probably talk a little bit more about this since you guys are doing plus 20s and higher 
does it become less impactful overall? Because I'm thinking, you know, Pro Warrior will always love shield block and things like that. What do you guys feel about Shield Righteous? Or is this, again, a, a misconception in, in the community? Probably become it became less less important due to the added Holy Power and Word of Glory thing. But maybe the boys will elaborate more. But I'd say that it's definitely weaker than it should be from a how it converts your strength into armor. But that's balanced by the very high uptime you have on it. So it's a delicate balancing act. Do you have low uptime, really strong mitigation, which leaves gaps where you can die? Or do you have high uptime, average strength mitigation? And then you've got consecration to complement that to get you to that stasis point where you are tanky. It's technically the same as with Guardian Druids, right? They have pretty high iron for uptime, but outside of incarnation, the, um, they don't really maintain a lot of stacks so they're pretty weak weak or vulnerable outside of the incarn, I would say. It's just that they have more tools to work with. So they, they have like double survival instincts and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the same for Paladins. Um, you have a high uptime and then you need to work around with different tools, which is A, your word of glories. Um, so managing resources is really important. Even on um, the highest of keys, like nailing your rotation in the first place is super important. And then B, you have B and C would be word of glory usage and timing, and managing first Avenger properly, or not managing them, but knowing when you're able to smooth out damage spikes when you're not able to, because you're working a lot around um, self healing and self absorption. That's pretty much what it, what you're doing as of now in high keys. Kind of similar to DK a little bit at least, not to full extent, but to some extent it's kind of playing like a DK. So just to add on to those points quickly, so mm -hmm. if you compare like shield righteous just to shield block like one for one, like shield block is obviously going to be better. Um, but if you compare the aggregate of what like what a paladin has compared to say the like aggregate is total, so like you know shield righteous consecration devotion aura, all of these different mitigation things, they all add up to a value that is actually really comparable to shield block because um, shield because shield block is relatively all a warrior has. But Paladin has all these smaller damage reduction sources. Um, and if you compare that, like, without, like, considering crit block or block itself, it's only, like, 5%, like, the Warrior only takes, like, 5% less damage um, on average. And then once you factor in block and crit block, that's when the gap grows, because crit block is obviously kind of ridiculous um, in terms of, like, physical mitigation. But one thing to remember when you compare, like, the two classes or any two classes um and in this case like say warrior or paladin is that a paladin's base chance to block is higher than a warrior's crit block chance so you're gonna be like you might not mitigate as much but you might mitigate it a little bit more often or what have you um so mm -hmm. that's really something to also keep in mind um and then in terms of like mythic plus um like in terms of like doing the keys and all of that i'm not doing 26s or 27s like altharian but in the keys I do, I can definitely feel on the poles where I don't have Shield or Righteous up or where I'm like kind of scumbagging Seraphim and like a 21 Tyrannical or something like that. And I don't have it up. And I definitely feel that in my HP pool or in terms of the health spike that I get, um, especially like I'd say the first boss in Sanguine Depths when he does like the, the headbutt. Um, if I don't have a defensive up, I'm going to be taking a big, I'm going to take a load of damage there. So it's it's not the same like 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 the one-to-one -one comparison, I think, is just not gonna 
Like the Paladin is never going to win that. It's like maybe only going to win that yeah, against. Well, it's, it yeah, it's, 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 it's very rare that it's going to win that. But if you compare the totals, that's when Paladin becomes like really tanky. Like they're easily the second best tank against physical when you compare the total, and they're the second best tank against magical when you combine combine the total. So they're like it's it's really about the aggregate as opposed to just looking at specific buttons. Mm-hmm. Well, that definitely, uh, let's say, blows a couple of misconceptions that uh, I had. And hopefully a lot of people that had that don't invite their Prot Paladins into, <laughs> into their groups. Uh, you should invite your Prot Paladins into their but groups. Wasn't, um, was going to ask you guys, BFA, at least in, in terms of uh, the, the extent that I played, uh, kind, of, kind of felt that Shield of the Righteous was, was a bit more impactful. Then Shadowless came along. Uh, and as Zilterian mentioned, the the focus kind of kind of went into self healing and then self absorption. And I wanted to ask you guys, how how did you see the, this change? Did, did you do you guys think the the philosophy of playing Prot Paladin being based more on generating holy power and you know healing yourself and all that? Do, do you guys think it was for the better, or should they go back to a I'm sorry, I'm, I'm keep keep circling around Shield of the Righteous, but I remember playing in, in BFA and it did felt more impactful. That's how I knew it. How do you guys so, saw the change? Yeah, so a couple things there on why it actually felt more impactful. So like Azurite Gear, oh, it yeah. has... Yeah, so Azurite Gear, like a lot of people don't realize this, but Azurite Gear had a lot of primary stat. And Shield of the Righteous scales with primary stat. Simply just go, like, unequipping the Azurite Gear actually made Shadow, Shield of the Righteous weaker because your relative primary stat to your total armor was less, right? Mm-hmm. So like like the amount of difference in gain was just, like it was just a lot less. So that's one reason why Shield Light just felt stronger. The other reason is that there was a mechanic in BFA called Avenger's Valor, mm-hmm. that when you pressed Avenger's Shield, it increased the effect of your next Shield Light just by 20%. Yeah, 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 I remember that, yes. They removed that in BFA, or going yeah, into Shadowlands. Shadowlands yeah. And then they set the number on the strength lower than the top end value of what it could reach in bfa so like there is no amount of gear or any value so yes mathematically it is weaker it is a weaker button for those two reasons yeah. um in terms of like the change to like holy power and world of glory and all that yeah and so in terms of like holy power and world of glory like i'm a big fan of the design of legion and bfa prop paladin because i think shield of righteous is, is a better button when i can time it i can learn the, the damage pattern on the boss and say okay here's the big hit this is when i'm pressing shield of the righteous and then that also allows me to plan yeah. around my heal <laughs> hey now i know shield of the righteous is down i can heal then i can you know play around that a lot better yeah. now it kind of feels like i kind of need ward of glory all the time because i feel like my health could my health pool is naturally spiky even at 100 of time on shield of the righteous um so Like, I generally prefer, because I feel like BFA, like, had a lot more clear, like, role, like roles for those two buttons, but the rotational weight of BFA was a lot less. Like, you know, Avenger Shield was not as good then as it is right now. Like, you didn't have Holy Power, so, like, the so like your skill in pressing your rotation or exiting your rotation was not as important. Um, so, like, there's obviously definitely trade-offs, but I was definitely a big fan of BFA, you know, yeah. Prop Paladin, Legion Prop Paladin, just because Shield of the Righteous as a strategic button was just just felt better to play with. Remember, we, we talked a lot about this, uh, especially when, when in BFA, when by the, the, the Prot Paladin guy and the stuff was always like, 
thinking about, you know, knowing the, the dungeons more specifically, knowing how to prep your Shield of I the Righteous, and it was impactful, and, and I think Lincoln hit, hit it on the nail over there, but I'm curious on what uh, what Altarion and uh, Panthea think about uh, this. Do you guys prefer the, let's say, Legion slash BFA version, or do you guys think it's better now? And I cannot not think about the GCD, because Altarion mentioned it. I mean, juggling World of Glories and Consecrations and all of that, you know, and all G GCD stuff. I'm curious, wh where do you guys stand on this? Um, I know Lincoln and I disagree on this point because we've spoken about it quite a few times, but I prefer the Holy Power systems because it puts importance on every single button rather than just a select few buttons. So you have a lot more of a skill ceiling. Unfortunately, it does mean that the skill floor is higher as well. But I think that is quite healthy for such an important role as tanking because you, you should be master of your own domain and you know to some degree where you know exactly what you're going to do how you're going to do it and why you're going to do it you know as you're approaching a pack and you've got one holy power it's like okay i need to do a judgment and the vendor shield on the way in so i've got shield of the righteous straight away that kind of stuff yeah, so I do kind of agree with Pantheon, um, but for me it's a little different. Um, I, when I went from BFA into beta, um, I really disliked Holy Power in the beginning. Maybe it was because of the lack of gear that you had to deal with on beta. I'm not exactly sure. Um, or just because I was so used to having a charge-based system and um, working around Last Defender quite a lot, right? Especially in Mythic Plus, you would just min-max the shit out of Last Defender <laughs> and then pull so many mobs that you would get constant Grand Crusader procs and then you could judge so many times that you could just keep your shit of the Righteous up anyway. So the whole approach to um, multi-target situations and keys in Mythic Plus on Paladin was way different to what it is now. Um, but I kind of it kind of grew on me. So now I would say I definitely prefer the way it is right now because I think um, both Link and Panthea said it, the rotational impact or like the importance in nailing a rotation is uh, super, super high. So that's what I definitely do prefer because it kind of um, tends to show really early, even like in um, lower 20s or even 18s or 19 keys on Fortified, it already tends to show somebody or like a healer or the group if the tank knows what he's doing. So definitely an, an expression of skill. I'm uh, actually uh, a subscriber to this. Uh, I'm uh, oddly uh, masochistically attracted to uh, difficult and very punishing specs to play. And, uh, Get the fuck up. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Lincoln's sign on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you definitely so kind of notice um, improvements on a tank like a DK or a Paladin way more than, let's say, on a Guardian Druid, where you press Incarn and then you just press uh, Thresh and Iron Fur. On GCD, yes. When the, well, yeah, right. <laughs> it, it is. A um, bit you can definitely tell. Okay, this paladin is living through like humongously big pulls, right? Um, how the how is he doing that? That's like the 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 first question that comes to mind. If you watch like let's say Andy Brew or maybe me or some other paladin tanks play, you you're like, how how does he live then? How is that possible? I watch other paladins fall over in this exact same pull in half a second on a fifteen, <laughs> right? 
I was actually yeah. watching him um, stream earlier today and was just thinking the exact same. It's like, <laughs> what, what, what am I doing wrong? What kind of wizardry is <laughs> that? That's, that's usually what comes to mind. It's when I, there's this Chinese blood decay on Red IO, um, being like almost 3K and plus score. And when I watch his YouTube videos, I'm like, what is, what is he doing? I don't <laughs> understand. I can't follow what buttons he's pressing and how he's just living every single pack, no matter how big they go. And I think that's kind of the same. Uh, that's actually that the, 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 the yeah, fascinating. He's always a bit of a mystery. He's the only one that uses Bonestorm as well. <laughs> <laughs> so just one quickly, one thing to add is that as much as I like the play style of BFA, Prop Paladin, like in terms of Shield Righteous' strategic value, I don't think it would have actually worked in Shadowlands, at least in Season 1. Like they would have had a really serious... Like I don't think they would be able to live in a lot of keys, like just the way it was tuned. Um, so like they would have a serious tuning problem. Like they would have, like they would have to have massively buffed the spec regardless in terms of just giving it so much more passive damage reduction that we probably would end up with the spec we would have today anyway. And a hundred percent, you know, shield righteous uptime is probably better in higher content or pushing keys. Um, yeah. now, cause like, you know, one thing I've heard lately, and I don't know if Eltharian has heard this, but Andy Brew is considering playing prop paladin in the great push. Like that's actually... That could actually be a thing. And that's not something that you would have seen in BFA or even in Legion MDI or Legion Mythic Plus tournaments at all. Because the spec just wasn't set up for it. Like it's not it wasn't really designed around playing the top end or being like in like highly competitive content. But the way it is now kind of is. Um so like I think playstyle wise I like it, but the tuning, if it, they just put it back into the game, they would have to work on the tuning and how it was tuned for sure. It also has a lot to, quite a lot to do with the adjustments they made to the talent tree, right? In BFA, when we were, when we're talking AOE again, I said it before, you had Last Defender and you had, um, I don't know the name of the, the Ezra power anymore, where you would get more Grand Crusader procs. Uh, Inspiring Vanguard. Yeah, exactly. So you had like different tools to work with and they were just way more suited to how Paladin was back then. And if they would have not made the changes, um, they, they, they would have actually... Yeah, but if we you, had that light. We had the lights decree, but Altharian for three weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, and three, that was awesome. I yeah, love that was great. <laughs> that, that was the best time I've had. which is solo, solo packs. Yeah, big top DPS. No, but I think that the talents um, played a huge role in BFA. Of course, the new talents with the old gear and tr Ezrite trades that was awesome. But that was just post season for a couple of weeks of fun, and then yeah. we all went through the gates of hell into Shadowlands season one with no gear. <laughs> Almost literally, um, but I, I, I did want to, you know, maybe maybe a closing argument to this because um, we recently finished the uh, the podcast with Vengeance Demon Hunter, and it's not necessarily a surprising issue, but I think Prop Paladin actually has a little bit of a better time with this since you have tanks like Vengeance Demon Hunter, uh, which outside of meta and demon spikes are incredibly squishy, and. Propel, then you could argue that it might not suffer from this just because of the high amount of uptime and shielded wretches. So maybe this is the counter argument to having shielded wretches being, like you mentioned, Lincoln, uh, more impactful but less with with a with a smaller uptime. Uh, so because we take some certain things for granted. So what this is actually, when you think about it, a really good uh, design that maybe Propel then doesn't necessarily suffer. Uh, from the same issues that Vengeance does, although that's obviously the Consecration repositioning issues and the reliance on Consecration so much, which are different things. But it does feel like if you pull everything right or if you play everything right with Prop Paladin, you end up having like a lot more tankiness than, let's say, other tanks would have. So I guess 
credit where credit is due, it's possibly why uh, Propelden is actually turning in so many so many high keys now. I know that about a week or two ago, we were looking at uh, top uh, IO tanks and like top 10 places or more were just propelled in. Yeah, the differences between the other tank specs were minimal as what well. we touched this on in the beginning. Mm. Like the, the balancing over there is pretty, pretty close. What about that talent roll 35 over there, man? You know, you know that talent roll where you have Unbreakable Spirit? And blessing of spell warding. Oh, the, and the cavalier. Is it, is it 30, 35? <laughs> yeah, yes. that, that 35, is so yeah. weird. Yeah. So, what what do you guys think of a couple of talents <laughs> here? Speaking of some of the weird talents. Yeah. I mean, and I, I know uh, we we kind of we kind of touched on this previously, but I really want to go into into this. Um, so, talents. Okay, let's, let's let's go a little bit into the the actual talents for now. Uh, obviously, that the weirdest one tends to look. The level 35 uh, role, which is Unbreakable Spirit, Cavalier, and Blessing of Spellwording. But as it stands, guys, uh, what what is like the, the weakest or the most dead talent or talents currently here, regardless? Of Cavalier that. and Moment of Glory, I would say. <laughs> All right, Cavalier. Tank Spygrath as well, probably is pretty dead. Um, and Holy Avenger, I guess Eltharian probably has a lot more experience playing with Holy Avenger, like when he played Venthyr, but that's also probably pretty dead too. So yeah, talents are kind of weird because I feel like there's some rows they did a really good job on, like the first row. Um, so with Holy Shield, Readout, and Blessed Hammer, like all three of those talents have really clear roles. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to be a little bit more tanky, you might take Holy Shield or you could take Blessed Hammer for more like Holy Power generation or you could take Readout for single target damage. So that like that row has like a really clear role. Like you can use all three depending on the type of content or situation that you're going to be doing. These some of these other rows though aren't as so well balanced. So like row say row 25 with moment of glory, like putting a talent in that spot is actually going to be really hard because how strong first avenger and crusader's judgment are. Um, first avenger in the in mythic plus and then crusader's judgment in the raid. And then you know he mentions caval. You know Thurian mentions cavalier. Um, I think that, that's, that's only good on like literally one situation on one boss in this raid for this entire expansion for almost a year. Like I haven't, I haven't used it otherwise. Um, but in say BFA, you might have used it for necrotic or you might have used it for another situation. But you know, with like Kyrian potion or now that Kyrian potion is in the game, you don't really need the steed. You just now have a third necrotic drop. Um, so. Yeah. And it also competes with two other Yeah, so talents. it competes it competes with spell warding and spell warding is probably it it's the one thing in the palad prop paladin toolkit that sets it apart from other paladins. Like if you think about paladin and the meta of paladins and which paladins you're gonna bring into a raid or a group, like more that more often than not you're gonna default to holy one because you know they have really good damage through Ashen Hollow if they're Venthyr. And then they also have really good utility. They have sack. They bring everything that the prop paladin brings, including aura mastery. So like the group wide yep. damage reduction in mm. the sp spell warding to kind of like negate specific mechanics. So like on Kel'Thuzad, you could run like the you know the spell warding cooldown reduction legendary, and you can negate a soak like literally in every Kel'Thuzad up phase. So. You know, that's a, actually a really strong thing because that increases your damage on the boss or increases your damage on ads or what have you. Um, so, like, that's the one button that sets Prop Paladin apart. And to put a talent against that 
one Unbreakable Spirit, which makes Ardent Defender more available. That makes me a little bit more tanky. And then Cavalier, which I'm a slow class, and I need Cavalier to move around. It's just a very toxic row. Um, just generally, like some of the feedback I've told to the people I know behind the scenes is that I think this row is probably the most toxic, one of the most toxic rows in the game, talent-wise. Because you're basically putting the button I need to compete for a raid spot against these other two really critical buttons that kind of offset my weaknesses as a class or as a spec. Yeah. So, like, I would like to see that row actually dismantled in the next expansion. Um, just make spell warding baseline or something like that. So I don't have to make that choice. I feel like it's just a really bad toxic choice that, the, that they forced me to make. It feels like uh, the, the main the main issue with, and not just Prop Paladin, but a lot of other specs as well, it, it feels like it's a, a, a problem with aiming... With, with making the row specifically aimed towards the same the same issue because you mentioned the second row with first avenger and then you have moments of glory and the crusader's judgment was it first avenger essentially gives you a little bit more smoothness and damage with the absorption shield while crusader judgment works towards increasing your holy power generation and moment of glory i guess it also kind of wants you to to get more holy power but it feels it feels like it, not all of them are accomplishing the same thing again with the level 35 one of them is more tankiness one of them is mobility and one of them is specific mechanic denial i would imagine so again it feels like the whole road does not address the same the same issue do you think if they focused on you know each row is supposed to address specific specific things and but in different ways would you think that that would be a way to solve this issue and obviously either rearrange the talents or take some of them out and uh, put others in in their place? Would that would that solve the issue or just take them out completely because they're just not going to work uh, together ever? I mean, it would kind of solve the issue. Like, I think putting final stand where Cavalier is or putting it where spell warning it. Like, like imagine a talent row on row 35 that was Unbreakable Spirit, Last Defender from BFA and Final Stand. Like, which one would you take in a Mythic Plus situation or in a raid? Like, you would actually have to think about that. Like, what kind of, like, boss am I fighting or pulls or whatever. Maybe you do want Last Defender for Mythic Plus, but you may also want to pull around your Ardent Defender cooldown, so you may want to go an Unbreakable Spirit. So, like, a row like that could be kind of cool. And then I would potentially move, say, Spell Warding against Hand of the Protector on, say, row 45. So I'm really just picking between my two utility. I can have really strong off-healing, or I can have really strong my, you know, the mechanic denial that you kind of mentioned. Um, so I think those, I, I think, yeah, I generally think that when you have talents that kind of do the same thing, that allows a little bit more customization and examination of the situation to kind of pick what you want. Um, and I think that that's a little bit generally healthier for, you know, customization of, you know, picking your loadout for that specific situation that you're about to tackle. Um, a little, a little bit off topic, but also uh, uh, aligned to what you said. I mean, it's not, it's not a surprise that Paladin is so-called dubbed the wheelchair class, or at least one of the wheelchair classes. And Cavalier obviously solves that issue. And we also have Lights Barding, the conduit right now, which I don't know about you guys, but I, I love that call. That's the first finesse conduit I put in every Paladin spec that I play, and I, I, they, they feel so good whenever mobility is an issue that it just points out the weakness of, of uh, the Paladin's mobility even more. I'm actually curious, what do you guys think about, you know, the Paladin mobility in cu coupled with Cavalier and Light's Barding? Do you think 
these should either become baseline or should become like a separate talent role? Should we keep these into into 10 point or whatever that is? Because I, I will have a pr pretty difficult time uh, playing Paladin without Lights Barding because it just feels so good. It feels like I can rely more on uh, on Pony. That's the extra extension of... Uh, yeah, Kevin. yeah, the extra duration. So, obviously, I'll, I've been talking a lot to Lothariana from Panthea, jump in here, but quickly, one interesting point about Lights Barding is that in Season 1, we ran Pelagos a lot. And if you look at Pelagos's tree, or think about it, Lights Barding isn't in the natural path you would take for the tree. You would generally take the double potency, triple endurance conduit, or quadruple, in, like, three or four endurance conduits, and you didn't really take Lights Barding. Now that people have switched over more to Mechanikos, there is the finesse conduit that's in the main path that you can take. So more people have been using Lights Barding, and I've actually personally been using more Lights Barding. I personally haven't had really had an issue with mobility. Um, in situations where I have had issues with it, in like say the raid where it's like, hey, Lincoln, can you t do this mechanic that we need you to do or do the tank? It's gonna be, like, I'm just gonna be honest and say, there is no chance that I'm getting my character over to that spot to do this mechanic in time to do it. I'm just gonna literally tell you, assign the Demon Hunter to do it. Um, so it's like, part of it is just honesty. Um, but yeah, I think Light's Boarding is actually one of those talents, one of the conduits that's actually gonna be really interesting when they try to remove it because of the quality of life that some of these things have given players. It's gonna be very similar to the way the artifact worked and people are just used to it. Um, I don't think they're going to like it. And this is a much larger topic, but... Yeah, I, um, I dread that moment. Yeah. Yeah, people, um, people might actually... Yeah, People might actually yell yeah, for Cavalier to be baseline at some point. Um, yeah. Because of uh, the yeah, removal of light burning that we will face at some point. Uh, but I do think, at least from um, a Mythic Plus perspective, light burning isn't always like that big of a deal because you don't typically have to... Uh, run that far in a very short amount of time where light spotting can be good is let's say in the other side when you have to do the RP walk from the inner ring to let's say Ardenwild or the Mechagon area yeah. where you cannot mount right so you have to walk through this super long tunnel and then light spotting obviously saves you a bit of time um, but there's not necessarily a situation at boss encounter or a pack where being on your horse for 8 seconds instead of 4 seconds it's going to make a huge impact. Uh, it's also good in weeks where you just want to jump into the next pack super fast, let's say on a spiteful week, and you, you don't drop combat, so you cannot mount. But everybody else is already at the next pack waiting for you drinking coffee. Um, <laughs> so Light Spartan just helps you um, to tighten that gap up a little bit and be faster going into the next pool. But I think it's not super necessary. For example, in uh, Mists, I'm already dropping out Light Sparting for pure concentration conduit. It's kind of a niche thing, but it reduces so what the conduit oh, does is. Boss? Yeah, exactly. Um, so on the first boss, um, you have that fear that happens occasionally, right? And the longer the fight goes, the more likely it will be that you will have a an uh, shadow bolt or whatever the cast is called, spirit bolt that you want to interrupt, um, overlap with the fear. And the fear lasts so long that you will not be able to interrupt it. But the bolt one-shots at a certain key level. So what the conduit does is it makes the concentration aura reduce the duration of fear effects. And that way, your range DPS will be able to get out of the fear and get the interrupt, which would usually not be possible unless you have something like an ice block to break the fear 
or anything anything similar. So there is dungeons where I'm already stripping away lightboarding for alternatives because it's not necessary, even though it feels quite nice. Yeah, in terms of the raid, the only two places that I've noticed that lightboarding is actually really nice was on Painsmith or yeah, Painsmith. Um, just having that extra mobility to get across the platform for the weapon throws. And then on Sylvanas in phase two, I actually have found lightboarding actually really useful to get around the haunted wave mechanic, especially on the bridges. Um, because like when you're like just on your feet, it's really easy to get hit, um, especially like when you're behind the group. Um, so like those are the two situations where it's like I feel like I've had to have lightboarding. But yeah, like Altharian is generally right. Like if you're not running with a shaman and mist on the first boss, like there's no reason like you shouldn't be running the concentration or uh, like conduit um, for the fear reduction. Um, so yeah, there are definitely situations in Myth Mythic Plus where it's a lot more optional um, than you know than a couple of the situations in the raid. Like I think on Painsmith you almost need to have it, and on Sylvanas it's just really nice to have. It's also in the raid you're fighting, usually fighting bosses in larger areas. So yeah. being able to just move from one side of the arena to the opposite side faster, it's probably really good. Um, yeah. Also thinking of Sylvanas P1, maybe if, I don't know, uh, if you're a Holy Paladin or a Red Paladin, uh, it applies for all specs, right? They have the same yeah. issue. Um, just being able to dodge um, in different angles Veil. or taking... Even like Veil, like yeah, getting yeah. out of the makes it a lot easier, so... Because you can leave melee really fast, be yeah. and then wait for the whatever ability this to happen, and then still being mounted to go back into melee quick. It's probably it's probably a good thing. It would it would make uh, uh, a unique mechanics uh, only to prop Paladin. And I was gonna to pitch this off and uh, uh, kind of close off on all of my questions regarding mobility uh, because I, I felt uh, you know playing playing a few other specs and going into prop Paladin. I felt like first of all. Cavalier uh, would not Cavalier um, Divine Steed would be a much better spell if it was off the GCD. Clearly, that can probably be said for pretty much everything. But if let's say uh, if Divine uh, Divine Steed would be off the GCD, and let's say in 10.0 Lights Barding be baked into the Cavalier uh, talent on the options that they're not gonna change anything in the talent section. Do you guys think that Cavalier would have a bigger chance of being competitive on that role? Because, I'm, I mean, I would see it like if it's off the GCD and you have a second charge, you could potentially use it to like dodge things with like burst speed, dodge things like, I don't know, I'm thinking a, a potential overhead slash that the first boss inspires has that you would normally not be able to sidestep. Would you ever think well, that you, that's, that can so work anymore? So, so you can't sidestep that anymore. They changed that months ago. Um, All right. Yeah. So I would say probably, I don't know what else I things, but I think probably not. Um, I don't think... If they took it off the GCD and then gave you like barding as part of Cavalier, I don't think that would change the calculus in terms of the talent row. I think you would still generally default to, can I remove a mechanic with spell warding? Okay, if not, I'm just going to be a little bit more tankier with Unbreakable Spirit. And I still think the row would still be pretty like toxic. Um, I still think it would still be a really bad choice like that you're forcing like prop paladins to make. Um, so I don't know if it would solve anything. Uh, yeah, the, the, the problem right now, uh, at least if we're talking Shadowlands, is uh, that Unbreakable Spirit is just way too powerful. Um, because it synergizes so well with your Resolute Defender Conduit. And in a lot of dungeons, you might actually opt into Final Stand if it's like a very, very high fortified key. Um, and it also reduces the cooldown of your bubble, so that also synergizes with that talent again. That you yeah. would never really at, at at this point in time you would never consider running cavalier and keys. 
never like no you've never run like maybe in like low like if you're power doing like power low keys or something like that maybe just like really easy content that you need that didn't get offensive but the unbreakable for final stand is actually a really good really good call out because in previous expansions you couldn't combine them so final stand was always on the on the five minute cooldown now that you can combine them it's basically like having another go like a guardian of agent king's level cooldown like where you can do a big pull around it um and that kind of makes it really strong um and then if you add like divine the divine call conduit you're getting like a three minute final stand cooldown or even a little bit less um so yeah like unbreakable spirit and its synergy is like synergies with the different like parts of the kit that they've also added through the borrowed power like through like the legendary not not legendary but through like the conduits and whatever else like yeah it makes it really like unbreakable spirits actually like insane yeah i think the, the best solution would be to just make it baseline make cavalier baseline and remove it from there add add something else but no link will mention a couple of solutions um but i want to get back a little bit to the the, the consecration thing i remember we talked about this uh, previously uh was where where was was it warlords that talent where you could move with consecration uh, it was a glyph uh, a glyph it, w- it was a glyph so, yeah. what do you guys stand on that? Could could that be a, a solution? Like, uh, would you guys, I don't know, agree with something like that if that were to happen? I don't know. Maybe it would be implemented into a tier set. I don't know. Something, something like that. Would you guys like something like that? Like to to be able to move around with consecration? Uh, yes. And I think <laughs> short answer. <laughs> I said this. I said this previously. Yeah. I think the fact that. During heavy movement, having to press concentration as every second or third GCD is a big issue with how paladins exactly. work right now. Because sometimes you just get overwhelmed. As I said, you might you need to generate holy power. Yeah. Every GCD that you don't generate holy power is bad, in my opinion, at least. Um, and I think most people would agree with that. Um, but the the movement, the heavy movement stuff, kind of um, gives you the problem here because the moment you fall behind in holy power, you fall into this loophole of what do I do? I'm falling behind on holy power. I'm, I'm kind of I start dying. And what do I do with the little amount of holy power I have? Do I heal myself? Do I use my mitigation? What do you do? So I think maybe having a mobile consecration um, as an alternative to consecrated ground that might actually be a good thing, because then you can decide. Okay, do I have a class like a frost mage that can help me with, out with slows and utility and snares and whatnot, or do I need consecration? Do I need my own slow that I can rely on if I have to kite? Because Mythic Plus, as of now, is still kind of kite heavy, even if it's not as heavy as in Season 1. But you're still running around quite a lot in keys if it's really high key levels. So, so maybe just help that talent row be yeah. all about helping as well. Judgment of Light to help the whole group. Um, and then consecrated ground of where it moves to help yourself. Yeah, or, or, or maybe have something like, okay, you have one talent that... So I have two or three talents that actually target Consecration. Have Consecrated Ground as it, it increased radius and Consecration actually slowing mobs. And then have an alternative talent opposed to Judgment of Light that makes your Consecration move around with you, but it doesn't slow anymore. So you can kind of make the decision of, okay, the dungeon isn't really kite heavy, um, but I do want to have the Consecration move around with me, but I don't really have to, like, I, d- I don't need slows. Let's say, in Theater of Pain, you're barely kiting, but maybe you're moving moving around quite a lot because mobs are jumping around, they jump behind you and stuff like that. So maybe just having the Consecration move around with you in, in, in those kind of situations 
is beneficial. But then if it's a dungeon like DOS where the mobs in the Arden wheel hit so hard that you have to kite quite a lot, but you don't have an external slow, then having the option to make the concentration uh, slow instead of moving would be the alternative, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm. totally, totally. So um, just target so... like a whole talent role just for consecration, maybe. So to play devil's advocate, yeah, I would say moving consecration is something that I would definitely want as a player. Um, however, if you think back to say Warlords, the last time you know when they had the moving consecration in the glyph, consecration was mostly for damage, right? It wasn't such a critical buff maintenance type ability. The buff maintenance at the time was through the seal system. So like you use like seal of insight and you would press that every so often, you would judge or what have you. Good old like, seals. That's like yeah, so like that like that buff maintenance element has always been part of the spec in some respect um for the last few expansions. And the way I look at consecration is that it's not that consecration itself it, like well consecration is a problem because of all of the other things that they've done to the spec as a, as a whole. They've increased rotational importance. They've done all of these different things that have made it more difficult to maintain consecration. Yeah. Because you have to think about like back to Legion, like that was in a world where the rotation was less important. They had removed the seals out of the game. So like you weren't maintaining those buffs. Like consecration maintaining has replaced seals basically. So like, I think they could easily solve the consecration issue by just tackling some of these other things that they like had changed, like without like kind of understanding like, like the bigger picture effect. Um, and I think from a gameplay perspective, like they want consecration and where you kind of place it, it seems like to be kind of like an important thing. That's why it doesn't move with you. Um, so I think like from a, like a yes, from a player perspective, that's what I want from like a game designer perspective. I don't think that's one. I don't think they're going to do it. And two, I don't think it would be the best thing for the class. Um, I don't think it would be really good for the gameplay. Um, so that's just my devil advocates perspective. Fair enough. I think, uh, you know, having uh, both uh, the different perspectives uh, on it uh, for sure helps, especially now when they uh, apparently seem to uh, um, have opened the gates once again to feedback. Ooh. Maybe some uh, some of uh, some of the so some of them are watching uh, this channel. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, but I want you to uh, uh, add this uh, once again, since I haven't played Prot Paladin since BFA. And I'm scared as fuck to start with it. And I'm sure there's there's a lot of new players out there who would actually want to get into Prot Paladin because it's a super cool class, super cool fantasy oh, yeah. spec, all all of that. But after hearing this talk, <laughs> the, maybe the the you know the, the, the entry level might have been uh, uh, a little set a little bit higher. So, question for you guys uh, is like, what would you I don't know advise brand new players thinking of trying? Prot Paladin, you know, a couple of like, I don't know, beginner tips or something like that. Uh, just ease, ease the way into the Prot Paladin world. What would you guys say to a player like that? Stay in the consecration. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> the conclusion of this podcast. Stay in the consecration. Nailing your APL or your rotation, whatever you want to call it, is probably, uh, it has the most impact on how the spec will feel. Because lack in rotation will result in lack in resources. Lack in resources will result into lack of mitigation uptime or self-healing. So it all kind of comes together. And 
uh, that's the first thing people should look at. Then the second part would be don't overuse word of glory. So a lot of people feel like they, they that's what we talked about earlier. They feel like they have to prioritize word of glory over shields of righteous, which is not the case in, let's say, nine out of ten scenarios. You always want to keep your shield of righteous rolling and word of glory on top of that while maintaining the uptime. And then the third thing is for me is don't get lost in secondary stats. A lot of people they 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 lose their minds over how they should distribute their secondary stats instead of thinking of how they can improve their play. So improve your yeah, play. Well, yeah. And not your secondary stats. Very just true. it's it's what we say on Hammer of Wrath quite a lot when people ask for secondaries. We're just like improve your item level, and you're fine. Right, press because, buttons better. That can improve yeah. your ability to press buttons. Um, yeah, press yeah. the buttons better will result yeah. into you getting better. I would I would tell the player the it's really it's a the the fundamentals are really basic. You press this button, drops a yellow circle, stand in it. You build up combo points, holy power, spend them. Those are much more, like, the basics are a lot easier to understand than maybe they were in the past, um, compared to, say, BFA, Legion, um, or even, say, like, even, like, Wrath of the Lich, like, you would have to go back to Wrath of the Lich King um, to see kind of a class like that. Um, so, like, the basics are very simple in that way. The other thing i like to add, just on the Lotharian's point, is that when you read a guide, kind of understand how the guide is written and the perspective that the guide is written from. So like a kind of a common question that I get is, hey, I'm looking at these Warcraft logs and they're everyone is using this X legendary, but I read your guide and you suggest a different legendary. Why is that? And a lot of the times it's because it's just about the orientation of the way that those two and those types of information are presented. People that are appearing in logs, number one, number two, even in the like the top hundred, they're going for damage. They're trying to parse, so they're using that specific legendary. In the guide on say Wowhead or Icy Veins or in the Discord, we're gonna tell you a little bit. Try to be, we have to be new player friendly. Number one, that means you need to be like a little bit more defensive. We're gonna give you the defensive legendary, you know, allow you to grow into that more damage legendary. And then we're right, you know, that's really the core difference. We're writing it from that perspective. That's why we don't tell you to craft Mad Paragon first. We tell you to craft, say, Magister's Judgment first or Divine Resonance first, because those legendaries are safer for new players and your value defensively in just living and understanding the spec is just so much higher. Um, so. I think that's really important is when you look at logs, like sub-creation is a new thing that's come out and people are looking at that constantly and people cite, hey, I see these two trinkets used, but they're not mentioned in the guide or you don't mention the combo. It's because, you know, those players are going for very specific combinations with their group or whatever else, but the guide is written from a totally different perspective. Um, so just keep that in mind. Like keep, keep the context of the information that you're receiving in mind. Um, when you look at it and try to understand that. And I think that's really important that a lot of people don't get. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, Something we uh, kind of, to an extent, encounter in, uh, yeah, in, in our guides the, as well. The thing with, with the stats, the questions about stats, the people are so yeah. obsessed with stats. Yeah. yeah, people are so obsessed with stats. Like people, all they'll do is like they'll link their armory, they'll link their <laughs> character, they'll show a screenshot of their character sheet. Help I don't me. care what your character sheet says. 
link me the log where you died on the boss because that's that's going to tell me how to get, make you a better player than how much haste you have or how much crit you have yeah um, i think this so. could this could be a but an unfortunate byproduct of so much external player power that feeds into your spec where people tend to rely a little bit more on it and like Altharian said the neglect the rotational aspects of it where uh oh i'm dying too quick am i using the wrong shield or the right wrong talent where other people like uh who heard from the community uh bloody case playing with like really stupid talents just to see if they can still tank high keys and they manage to because they know how to play the rotation so knowing how to play your spec uh, comes before all of these external things and uh, yeah. or they see Rex Trey doing some crazy shit and it's like oh but he yeah. could do it <laughs> you know <laughs> so there is one thing I did want to address and we kind of talked about it on the pre-show so oh, yeah. the, 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 show, you know, the show that we didn't that Let's didn't get released um, and this is the concept of potentially going necro lord so like paladins that could be asked to go necro lord in mythic plus um, so mm. I've thought about this a little bit and a couple people have actually kind of challenged me on it Altharian brought it up when you know when we recorded the the episode that yeah has been lost to the void yes um and then the guide writer who reviews my work on Wowhead also brought it up and said hey Necrolord is a lot better maybe you should suggest people should go Necrolord for Theater of Pain and Plaguefall and my response to that is no I shouldn't and the reason I say that is because if I look at say completion data of Altharian's own history. He's doing 26s and 27s as a Kyrian. He's done these keys without a Necrolord in the group. Um, he, The buffs are not as mandatory. Kyrian and, say, Plaguefall is just super strong in terms of setting up pulls, the interrupts, all of that. I could see Necrolord potentially being used in, say, Theater of Pain, where it's a little bit more single-target focused. Like, you're spending a lot of time on mini-bosses, yeah. and, like, Kyrian Divine Toll doesn't have a lot of value there. Just because you're already already yep. generating, and Altharian, just jump in if you disagree. But I I actually um, did a um, theater. So yeah. the way it, it went on the U was we had the covenant swap changes and the uh, all the other changes before nine point one point five hit. So once the server restarted, we still had Tyrannical, Sanguine, Storming, but I could swap to Necrolord. So the first thing we did is we we had like two. Sp- to leftover TOPs, the 24 and the 25. I instantly swapped the Necrolord and uh, we just jumped straight into the dungeon. Um, and it's it's really fun to play because it, it is heavily oriented um, on playing around with procs and resources because it, it has like some synergy with Divine Purpose, which is one of your talent that's that's uh, affecting your, your Holy Power Spenders and a lot of other stuff. But it's definitely a lot harder to actually play around or work around with properly because you don't have snap threat you don't have um the high amount of first avenger absorb that you gain through divine toll there's a lot of things that you miss going from kyrian to necrolord it's the same thing as going from kyrian to venthyr venthyr has the same issue um the whole the whole th- quality of life on paladin and mythic plus comes from being kyrian yeah, absolutely. So, so in theory, Necrolord can be good, yeah. and it's it's a lot of fun to play. Um, would I suggest anyone to do it just because I am thinking of doing it? No, I wouldn't. No, I don't advise not. anyone to do it. Absolutely not. Like like I said, I think it's only only top high keys because of how much time you're spending on those mini bosses, like on Tyrannical. Um, 
like even on fortified on the mini bosses and the pulls are generally smaller like you're not doing like very large complex pulls like you are like you would be in like playfall like playfall actually has some large complex pulls like on a high key that you need divine toll for um at least that's my assessment yeah so like yeah so like top on high keys maybe but other than that no but like the other cases like night fey like i think night fey and like mists if you need a night fey you absolutely should be playing night fey because like the pulls are simple enough that you don't really need toll you need to go through the gate at the beginning to set up the early pulls with like an invis or a shroud so like night like you absolutely need the night fey and mists on the other side would you need to be the like would you need to be night fey and like the other side i would tell you to find a dps or the healer and put the night fey on them because of just the way the mechanic works um so like that kind of was an issue that came up last time um and something that i've thought a little bit about but generally like i think if you're doing mythic plus and you can switch into kyrian from your venthyr or whatever covenant you have been you should be kyrian to do mythic plus and you'll get so much more value out of it the pulls you can do are just you'll be so much more tanky all of that and you'll just definitely just push higher and be a little bit more successful yeah so myth i don't plus. know about raiding um i think as as long as venthyr is a thing for protection um necrolot is just out of the out of the uh picture because Action is just too powerful, right? So I'm not so I'm not sure about that. I think that I think we're gonna have to sim that and figure that out. Because um, I think it's definitely possible. And I'm gonna give Panthea credit for bringing this up to me and like in DMs we've had back and forth. Necrolord could potentially be really strong if your kill times get fast enough that you lose action casts. So because Necrolord is only like three or four percent behind Venthyr as it is, and then if you take away an action cast then Necrolord might actually pull ahead because that that single target nuke, it's like, imagine having like Crucible of Flame with a better utility, which is basically what Vanquisher's Hammer is. It's just a really strong single target nuke. And then if you throw in the legendary, you just get a little, you get a, a bunch more of them. Um, so I think Necrolord, like you have 100%, like if you're li listening to this and you're like, man, Lincoln is telling me to play Necrolord in the raid. No, I'm not telling you to fucking play <laughs> Necrolord in the raid. What I'm saying is, if you think your kill time is fast enough that you could sim it, sim the kill time, and that'll tell you if you should play Necrolord in the raid. Um, <laughs> but also, um, don't play Necrolord. Yeah, <laughs> generally, you should not play Necrolord. You should be playing In case Venthyr. you were wondering. Because Ashen Hollow as a healing cooldown is still really strong. Like, it still brings a lot of utility and all of that. Um, and so. it's you, you still have bosses um, where you want to maybe have the nuke from Ashen, right? To maybe get a specific push done. Yeah. like stupid ability or something yeah and it's and like it just synergizes so well with hammer of wrath with the legend with mad paragon legendary um like the synergy it adds is just super strong like necrolord and like i'm gonna give credit to fat palo who's a templar in the hammer of wrath discord has actually been playing around with necrolord for the last couple days and he's found some really interesting bugs with it so for example the bulwark of righteous fury legendary the free spender is actually affected by the stacks but it doesn't consume the stacks. So like you get just a bunch of free damage. Um, so like there's like, since nobody's used it, like nobody has found any of these bugs. Um, <laughs> so it's just that now we're like kind of like in this interesting state where people are gonna find all of these weird interactions, with these covenants that people have never used or have very rarely used. So we're definitely- A lot of, you know, a lot of things left to discover. We're definitely gonna see some new things. Oh yeah. Well, I guess the myth is busted. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, uh, this is gonna be interesting to see. Uh, um, uh, I mean, hopefully you guys are down to uh, 
to re uh, readdress uh, Propel then in 9.2 or at least maybe at the end of 9.15 to see how the meta has established and how the the increase in accessibility has addressed the spec uh, in both keys and uh, and raids. Yeah, uh, it's definitely going to be juicy uh, for 9.2. I'm expecting a lot of things. Uh, okay, maybe yeah, we'll see when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they could announce it pretty soon. The PTR will be up in in January when I can start raid testing. Yeah, yeah it's in guess. the air. It's in the air. The announcement is definitely in in yeah. the air. Uh, but that uh, being said, uh, I think I think we can uh, we can close it off. Uh, oh yeah, I mean uh, we can probably talk about propelling all day. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know we, we we didn't even go into the past iterations things, but I, I think it was more important to talk about present yes. uh, situations. A little bit more up to date. Yes, yes. And I do want to remind everybody to uh, check the description of uh, the video if you're watching this. If you're listening to, to Spotify, go on to the YouTube video too and check the description because over there we're going to have the links for uh, Eltarian, Lincoln, and Pantheon. Uh, you know, the, the Twitch. The, the streams, links, the Twitters, the, the Tagnos Twitters, websites. Tagnos.com. I mean, <coughs> I always said this. If you like want to get into tanking and, you know, want to learn about, you know, the, the different tank specs and strategies and, and routes and stuff you know tank now tanknotes.com is definitely uh, the place to be yep. and to check out uh, I don't know is there for any sure. other resource like um, apart from the discord like for tanking I don't think there is well, uh, well there, there used to be like main tankadin and then there was like the tank videos that Laura used to make I remember um, those I remember those. yeah like those were like the main two sources yeah. that I remember um, and then there was elitist jerks obviously where they had Oh, well, but like, yeah. that's an interesting yeah, girl. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah but Pan- like Panthea has kind of taken that space over. Like, he kind of yeah. owns it. And, uh, and a lot of credit to him because there was definitely yeah. a void there in terms of just helping people just kind of learn mechanics or learn encounters and all that stuff. Oh, for sure. Definitely <laughs> helped me a lot. Yeah. And uh, and also the Hammer of Red Discord. Obviously, if you're like interested in uh, anything Paladin, you know, Protection, Red, Holy, that's the place to be in. Uh, with that being said, thank you guys thank for you. joining. We can say it was the second time because the first it time was, we it fucked was. it up. <laughs> and uh, as 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 it always happens, always yeah. this is the second time. Hopefully, it's the last time. But we did manage to get a little bit more deeper into the spec uh, present situation for, in, in this particular episode. So I'm I'm actually happy. And thank you once again, guys, for agreeing to do this again. I know it was uh, tricky to to pull you away from your thing, so we really do appreciate it. Yes, and. Uh, that, uh, that 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 all being wrapped up. Thank you for watching or listening. Uh, you can find us everywhere: Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, you know, Overcast, all of that. And we shall see you uh, next Monday with a brand new podcast. Uh, what do we have? We don't know what we have. We'll, we'll have some. We don't know <laughs> we'll, either. We'll have some for sure. All right, everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. I've been loving it then. I still love it now. Still, I play wild. Still, I play wild. Getting better every day. Let me show you how. Cause still, I play wild. Still, I play wild. It's getting harder to stay, but at the end of the day, it's a guilty pleasure. So just log in and play. Whether it's classical retail, I'ma do a slash bow. Still, I play wild.